0: Hey there, it's Jenny. And before we get started on today's podcast, I just want to send a very special invitation to you to join me and niche specialist Jason Wheeler for an exclusive webinar happening on May 21st. We're diving into the Elemental Marketing System, it's the ultimate guide to scaling your consulting, your coaching, or any service based business pretty effortlessly. During the session that we're going to have, you're going to uncover the secrets of attracting and converting your ideal clients optimizing your lead generation strategies, and really unlocking the full potential of your marketing efforts. If you're ready to propel your business forward and really get to those amazing heights and sustainable growth, then this is the training for you. Go ahead and reserve your spot today. You can go to growandprofitonline.com forward slash lead-gen-class. Can't wait to see you there. Hi, this is the Acquire Podcast from the Oddphonic Podcast Network, and I'm Jenny Wright. I'm your host, a list build and lead generation expert, and I've been helping people build robust email lists and sell programs, products, and services for well over a decade. This is the podcast that delves deep into the world of list building and online events, and it's designed to empower entrepreneurs and marketers with the knowledge and strategies to master these essential business growth tactics. And I really want to talk about a couple of different things. And uh, I'm sort of a bit tired today. Went for a really long pool swim this morning. So we're going to have a bit of a chill vibe. And we're going to be talking about Google and Yahoo and what they're doing for email deliverability and how this is going to affect you if it isn't already and what you can do about it. I also want to talk about when you should host a lead gen event or a sales event and how they can complement each other. And then, lastly, I want to talk about how to create a frictionless, Sales process, especially if what you offer in terms of your products or your programs is of a higher tier price. Because the higher the price, the more steps there could be and the more friction you could create. And actually, it should be almost frictionless for all steps, regardless of price. But for some reason, as prices go up in our programs, products, and services, there's more friction. Uh, and then, depending on the industry, there's even like way more friction because then we put in sort of like crazy steps, like you know, pre-sales call, sales call, intake forms, and, and this, that, and the other. And then our buyer or our potential buyer can really struggle in that process. So we're gonna talk about that. So let's get into this Google and Yahoo email authentication. Now, I am no expert in sort of like the technical aspects of this, but I can tell you that it affected me and several of my friends last week. My friend Katie messaged me, uh, last week, she was trying to get an email out to her list and she kept getting this error message from ActiveCampaign, which is the um, email marketing provider or builder that a lot of us use. And this is like just not for ActiveCampaign. This is for everybody because it's this, this is going like full on. She couldn't send out her email. She messaged me. She's like, Jenny, what's up? I get into her email marketing. There's this big red message basically saying that her domain is not authenticated and so we needed to take a look at this domain authentication. Uh, long story short, the easy fix was logging into the email, the uh, GoDaddy, like GoDaddy account, and then asking for a, um, a manual check on our DNS, making sure there was proper CNAME records and so on. And then ActiveCampaign kind of did the authentication for us because there was like a, a button to hit. But the best practices for email marketing are changing. If you're using a Gmail address in your email marketing system as your like your domain, you're kind of screwed. Like you need to change it now. Bulk delivery is you know getting more and more difficult. They want to put more stringent sort of regulations and rules around it so that we're getting less spam uh, because God knows we all hate getting spam and we get a boatload of it every single day. And now is trying to ensure delivery of bulk email senders that are, are not spam. And so these authentication requirements uh, help prevent that spam and they're taking effect right now. So if you are having problems sending your email or if you've seen this message, perhaps somebody on your team is taking care of it, which is great, but basically just to sort of give you the overview, Google has outlined these requirements uh, that are happening right now. It started in February of 2024. It's impacting all senders. But most, like mostly on the bulk sender side, and simultaneously, Yahoo is introducing a parallel set of requirements having the same effect. These changes are completely designed to enhance deliverability, to try and build trust and credibility within the email marketing space, and to help avoid our like good emails from going into people's spam filters because that's happening too. Like I'm getting a boatload of crappy spammy emails telling me to click on stupid links that I'm never going to do. And then some of, like some of our emails are going into people's spam boxes and it's driving me nuts. So it's going to optimize that sort of process. It should actually improve sender reputation, which will help us, you know, keep our emails out of people's spam boxes, which is great. And then ensure uninterrupted communication. At least this is the plan. How this is all going to work, I mean, gosh, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, you know, if you're, I don't know, sometimes I feel like these these new requirements are really great on the outside and whether or not they get implemented properly, I don't know. And then you've got spammers and all sorts of nefarious people who manage to work their way around all these things. So in the long run, it's a better, it's it's a better. So. One key aspect of this is the necessity for email senders to set up what's called DKIM email authentication. And on top of DKIM or DKIM, a basic DMARC record is now also required. The difference between them in a nutshell is that DKIM allows or attempts to verify whether an email is legitimate and DMARC suggests what to do with the email that isn't legitimate. So there's these two different things. When we kind of go through the process of making sure our DNS records are all right, and you go through this process with your email marketing provider, which, by the way, should make it pretty simple. There should be some like simple button under your settings where your domains are located to to fix this up. And I'm actually going to put the link to the article that really sort of um, sparked my interest on this and also gave me this, the solution. I'm going to put it in the show notes for you so you'll be able to kind of take a look at that. So if you're not already on top of this, Make sure that you are, or at least inform your team so that they can keep an eye on it. Send them the article so that, you know, cause it's happening right now and you don't, what you don't want to have happen is what happened to my friend, which was when she was trying to send an email, she couldn't because it said her domain wasn't verified and it was like an email she needed to get out. So you don't want that to happen, get on top of this now and then you won't have any problems. So that's kind of like the, the synopsis of what's going on in that you know, overall, these changes do improve the email marketing space. It helps our deliverability. It helps get spam away from all of our potential clients. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've, oh my gosh, I've got an email uh, spam filter that pulls all the spam into like a folder and tries to keep it out of my inbox. And even that spam filter struggles. I still get spam in my inbox. And Gosh, they're getting really, really good. I actually got a spam email, definitely a phishing email, I think yesterday or the day before. And uh, my, I mean, this one was really properly written. Somebody actually did the grammar on this one, uh, you know, all the things. It looked authentic. And uh, of course, I know better. Uh, And by the way, the easiest thing to do is take a look at the email address um, that's being sent from because, you know, if they say they're from Facebook, they're not. If they say they're from Apple, I mean, I get those all the time. They're also not. So if you take a look at that, that's usually a dead giveaway. Whatever you do, don't click on any links, please. (laughs) Okay, so that's enough about that. Uh, Get it sorted. You'll be happier for it and your email marketing will obviously go to the right sources and, and, and well, not well, go from the right sources to the right people, which is what you want. Next up, I want to talk about when you should host a lead gen event or a sales event or both and why. So, you've probably already launched a couple lead gen events, you've possibly had some launches too, probably quite a few actually, just to get to where you are, uh, to be making the kind of income that you are or to be selling the kind of products that you do launches and lead gen go hand in hand, right? Lead gen events are designed to attract and and capture potential customers' interest and also their contact information. And the primary focus for a lead gen event is generating leads over and like it's generating leads more than working on sales, right? So sales are always a wonderful side benefit of running a lead gen event, like a summit or a challenge where you have like a VIP package because then you're obviously still making some cash. But the goal is always lead gen. That's why lead gen events are almost always free or very low cost, because the goal is to build the list. The goal is to attract ideal clients, to get them into the business, to get them into your ecosystem, and then you can work on getting people to open the wallets, right? So when we're doing this, we're focused completely on trying to attract that ideal client, to get people interested in you and who you are and what you do. I love for this webinars and workshops uh, because they are easily, you know, you can get them up really, really easily. They offer um, like sort of like, you know, educate like educational slash entertainment side of things, and they can be insightful. And again, they're really easy to get up and done. Like you can get a webinar up and going and, you know, being promote like promoted, uh, geez, like in a day, uh, I just had to do this. I had a client who was like, "Hey, you know what? I want to do something for Valentine's Day." Okay, cool. Uh, It's Friday night, and uh, the Friday night before Valentine's Day, which is next week, kind of thing. What do you want to do? I'm like, oh, I want to do a giveaway. I need a landing page. I need this and that. Okay, all right. Well, um, giveaway is great, but how are you going to get people interested? Well, let's let's put it inside a webinar. Sweet. Okay. When are we doing the webinar? We're doing the webinar on. Valentine's Day. Okay, we got f- what, five days? So yeah, the turnaround is really, really quick. You know, you get in touch with the team, the team's like, sure, no problem. Uh, get a landing page up, get some email marketing set up, get a couple graphics done, and you're off to the races. That I mean, that's normal. Another client of mine right now is running a um, five-day challenge uh, next week. And that five-day challenge is actually a sales event not a lead gen so you can run a five-day challenge as a lead gen event but also as a sales event i'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute however this particular um workshop came about really really fast i mean basically overnight It, it was a conversation that was had uh you know when everybody was kind of sitting around talking with each other this is my client not me and, uh, she was talking to a couple of her friends and the friends are like, let's do this. And I think within about 72 hours, they had everything done, landing page, VIP package, promotional emails and content. And this thing was out in the public and it is a free challenge, but they have like, um, a VIP package and the majority of what they want is the VIP package. And, and, I'll, and I'll talk about that. A bit. I'll talk about that a little bit more. So back to lead gen events, right? Um, The other thing that works really, really well is free consultations and discovery calls. Uh, As long as you're providing a personalized advice or personalized input and solutions for those people. It's a slow lead gen, obviously. This is more if you're doing high ticket. I'm actually doing this next week with a client. We're running a campaign where we're offering five free consultations uh, consultations are usually three hundred and fifty dollars, so we're offering five free consultations, and that's a little bit of a promo that they're doing just next week uh, throughout the week of Valentine's. Um, their business is perfectly positioned to take advantage of this. Their business deals uh, in in sort of the legal space, and it's a wonderful way to get people who are interested in making sure that they're you know they're. Relationships are uh, sort of bulletproof in terms of maybe like a prenup or estate planning or something like that. So that's that's what we're doing there, and um, it's going to go over really, really well. And we don't need a landing page for it, so it's still a lead gen event, but we don't need a landing page because we can send them directly to a booking link, and we can waive the fee if the person who is uh, booking that call uses a specific you know set of words, right? So we can make sure that that fee is waived. We're not getting them to pay that $350, and they're getting some really great advice from a a professional, and perhaps that turns into some clients. I I mean, I anticipate that it will, because those calls are really, really valuable. You know, free consults have a place, and they also show a space of goodwill. They also help people to build trust with you, uh, and they also add a little bit of FOMO. Normally, this is a $350 call. You're getting it for free. There's only five available make sure that you put, you know, this keyword into the notes when you're booking the call to waive the $350 price. Kind of neat, right? There's other things that work really, really well. You already know these. These are eBooks. These are, you know, guides, uh, that kind of thing. Like a just a general lead magnet works as well. But again, these are slow. The best lead gen activities, these lead gen events, uh, the quick and easy ones are webinars and workshops. They're going to get you the biggest bang for your buck in terms of your effort and also your ROI. These are all quick things to do, right? It doesn't take long to create them. And and with the advent of um, AI, I mean, you can create all of this super fast. Uh, Again, watch out for your outputs from AI because if you haven't trained your AI properly, it's going to sound nothing like you and your people are going to be able to tell. Everybody knows what ChatGPT sounds like right now unless you spend the time to train it up and get it to a point where it actually sounds like you. Like I invest a ton of time in my my chat GPTs to make sure that they have all the information to help them create outputs that either sound like me or my clients. Uh, And then I still go through them and I still edit them and I still make them sound better because it's not 100% and it's never going to be 100%. In my my opinion, it's going to get close, but there's always going to be that small differentiator. So, you know, keep an eye on that. For a big lead gen event, before you want to launch something like a summit, sorry, uh, not a summit, but like l- before you launch a big program, product, or service that needs a lot of people in it, like if you want to sell a hundred spots in your um, in your course, or you have uh, you know a big membership that you want to launch, you need a bigger lead gen event, or you need more consistent lead gen events. So you either do big summits okay, and uh, or medium sized summits, or even a small audio summit or something like that, or, or and or, you also do the smaller lead gen events. So I think the, the biggest and the best mix for most people is at least one summit a year, spring or fall. And then you intermix webinars and workshops in between consistently to continue to bring in leads. So the name of the game is consistency. If anybody knows me, I keep talking about the fact that this should be, you know, sort of like uh, hidden tattooed on all of us because none of us do it properly. All of us should be doing it properly. And if you're not, you're losing thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every single year with lack of consistency. It is a huge, huge money waster if you're not doing it. Consistency is key. Anything I'm talking about, you got to do it consistently. Um, So yeah you need to have like a larger list build event at least once a year to pull in what I call uh, a, a, a basically a, a list infusion. You've got to infuse your list with new leads. You've got to bring in new people because there is always uh, attrition. There's always enough people leaving your list that you need to replenish them. An example of this is a, a, a girlfriend of mine went to a speaking event a couple of weeks ago. She offered up a freebie on her, like when she was speaking from stage, she had a QR code right on her presentation, which is great. Great way to do that, by the way. I did it for mine uh, for a Capshovian's live in January. Worked super well. Uh, half the room downloaded my freebie. Uh, and, I, and I actually booked calls from that and, and I closed clients, which is great. But uh, so this friend of mine did it. She, I think she got, I don't know, 150 new leads into her email list. Problem was, is that when she went to email those people she had a massive amount of attrition she couldn't figure it out and it's not that she did anything wrong it's most likely that you know it just wasn't the right people in the room and and that kind of falls on a little bit of the um the host who hosted the event kind of you know there was two well i actually know the event and i actually checked it out based because this happened and i wanted to know what happened So I took a look at the event. I took a look at the speakers that were there. I took a look at the topics. And you know what? It was too diverse. It's just like running a summit where you think that everybody's your ideal client and you talk about everything and it's, you know, bad in the kitchen sink. Don't do it. It's not niched in enough. And as a result, my friend spoke at an event that wasn't niched in enough. uh, Not that she would have known. And the result was, yeah, she got 150 new leads, but she kind of like lost a lot of them when she emailed them because they weren't the right people. There's a, there's a need for niching in, there's a need for consistency, and there's also a need for creating lead gen events that are actually going to work for your business uh, and doing those on a regular basis. So lead gen events are amazing. You want to do those before you want to do a launch event. Let's talk about launch events or sales events. So these are the events that are geared towards converting leads and paying and turning them into paying customers. Your focus is driving immediate purchases, and revenue generation. That's it. I mean, besides the fact that you're still obviously trying to build no like and trust, you're still trying to get people interested in who you are and what you're trying to do. Hopefully, you're spending time in engaging those people. But overall, that's the goal, right? So, what's going to work for a sales event? Now, I mentioned a little earlier that one of my clients is doing a uh, sales event in the guise of a five day challenge. It's actually a really smart way to do it because you kind of kill two birds with one stone. You're creating a lead gen opportunity. You're getting VIP sales. You're building trust. You're creating education and edutainment. Uh, you have that VIP package, again, that's creating a little bit of sales. And then you're pushing your program, product, or service. And in the case of this particular person, this is a high-end product exceeding $30,000. We're You know, we're hoping that that client gets anywhere between, geez. 10, 15, 25, I mean 30 new clients would be great in that. This is the first time this particular client is running this style. The plan is to do at least one per quarter. Uh, That's a great sort of revenue injection into their business, especially if we can get the numbers up. And then your goal is to, you know, your goal is to have anywhere between 200 and 400 maybe like paid people in the room. So it's free to register for the challenge, but then there's this paid component, this VIP, and getting about 200 to 400 uh, or more paid VIPs would be ideal. You're making okay money off of that. It's covering part of the cost of of putting on the event. And then obviously you wanna sell your program, product or service, whatever denomination, whatever amount of people you want. Then you're creating some really good revenue, rinse and repeat on a quarterly basis. And you're going to see results. Okay. Again, consistency. If you do it once and it doesn't go well, do it again. I don't understand why people just do a webinar or a challenge or a summit once, and they're like, uh, oh, didn't go exactly how I wanted." You know, it didn't make a million dollars. You know, wasn't able to do this, that, or the other, and I'm just going to not do it again. I'm going to pivot and do something else. That is, that is the worst thing to do. And as an online entrepreneur, I beg people not to do that because it, it messes you up. Um, it's not, uh, you know, okay, let me rephrase it. I used to do cold calling every single day, cold calling on the phone and booking sales appointments, and then literally going door to door to like door to door businesses and selling. That was my job. I was in my uh, mid twenties when I did it. And I did it until my late twenties. And, uh, Every time you get a no, unless you know how to kind of like hit that reset button, everything changes. So somebody says, no, I'm not interested, get out of my, you know, get out of my business or it's too expensive or I don't have enough time. Every time that happens, it kind of like eats away at your confidence. It changes the way that you speak. You you become anticipatory for responses. So before the person even says anything, you already have it in your head. They're going to say no. And you already have something to say because they're going to say no. And then you're kind of shocked when people say yes. You end up becoming a really crappy salesperson if you don't have a reset button. Same thing goes as an entrepreneur. You are definitely not at your best if you can't have a reset button after something kind of goes like sideways, right? And how many times does stuff go sideways as an entrepreneur? Like, cripes. I've been doing this for over a decade. It has happened a lot. And uh, yeah, dust off and get up and keep going. I mean, I don't say it often anymore. I used to say a lot, but I've got a little bit of a suck it up buttercup kind of attitude to these things. Uh, I will I will have my pity moment that things didn't go the way I wanted. Then I will do the data and the analysis. Then I will get a little bit hungry to make it better and I will get determined to make it happen, right? And this is this is something that I'm, it's just not, I mean, I'm not the only person who thinks this way. It's kind of a trait for people in our space. And uh, whether or not it's completely mentally healthy, I I couldn't tell you. But I can tell you that uh, with a lot of um, introspection or introspective thought and emotional regulation, this works for me. So if it works for you, great. Or however you need to kind of make it happen, you need to have a reset button. Okay, because if you run a sales event or if you run a lead gen event, and it doesn't exactly work how you want it to the first time out. Walking away is not the not walking away is not the best thing because a small tweak or continuous improvement or consistency is going to be the big game changer for it. And this reminds me of uh, Sean Q, a friend of mine, and a guy who's run a bunch of uh, free challenges. Like his first challenge made him nothing. I think his last challenge made him over two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay, so in a space of like running, I think it's like I don't know how many challenges challenges at this point. I think nineteen or twenty challenges. He's gone from making nothing to making you know a quarter of a million dollars off a challenge, right? So and that's just because of the consistency and the refinement and the process and improvement. That's what you got to do. All right, so let's let's match our lead gen events with our sales events. And then I really want to get into this frictionless sales process because this actually helps everything that we've been talking about. So there's actually a theme. I mean, you may not think that email, you know, the theme to this episode is all kind of together, but it is, and it has to be about improving your email marketing, making sure that's on point because if that, uh, if that Google issue is happening, none of your emails are getting out. You want to make sure you have a good lead gen strategy before you have a launch strategy. And then you want to make sure that your sales strategy is frictionless. This whole process that we're talking about today, I mean, the email thing is a little bit of a one-off. Everything else is a rinse and repeater. Okay. So if we want to match a lead gen event with a sales event, there's a couple things to think about. Uh, I mean, you can, you can interchange these any way you want. I love a uh, webinar or a workshop to be matched up with a product launch for a, uh, a course a coaching program or a high-end mastermind works really well. So a free consult or discovery call that one, I really love selling into a mastermind or a half day VIP. And then if I do just a simple lead magnet, those really work well with a lower end course or a, well yeah a lower end course that leads to a discovery call that leads to a higher end product if that's what you sell but lead magnets are never going to get you like the sale of your uh, (laughs) $35,000 mastermind without a lot more uh, education and potentially even calls at least not for everybody some people sure and I mean some people are going to be like yeah I do it all the time Jenny and that's awesome congrats for you but the majority no so kind of to wrap this piece up this segment up you know uh, lead gen and sales events go hand in hand and the whole thing works when you know your target audience it works even better when you know your niche even better and it is stellar when you know who your target audience is you're niched in and you're offering what they need in the moment you're delivering value and you are thinking about every single stage of the customer journey right up to, and beyond sales okay and that brings me over to the last segment for this podcast episode and it's about frictionless sales so you might think that your sales process is awesome and it probably is there's probably a really good process however i always find something that creates friction so i do a lot of uh, marketing audits and businesses i work as now as a cmo um, I'm a CMO, a fractional CMO in several businesses now. Uh, you know, one of them I'm spending at least two thirds of my time in and then I've got two others that I'm spending a smaller part of my time in and one that I'm consulting in. So whenever I do any CMO work, uh, at fractional, of course, I always do an audit first and that audit usually takes me about 30 days and I'm always looking into all the nooks and crannies of the business. And I'm, one of the things I'm always going to look at is the sales process. Also lead gen, but we're gonna focus on sales right now. And when I look at the sales process, I'm looking at the things that hang people up and keep them from moving forward. Examples are, I mean, everywhere. From not having, uh, you know, geez, here's a good example. Actually, I think I did this one way back in the day when I was uh, selling a membership. I didn't have, uh, actually what I had is a button on my sales page that then led to another page where there was way too much text, way too much going on before the sales form. I thought I had to like reinform everybody, re-educate them before they got to that uh, intake form or the you know, the sales page where they actually uh, inputted their credit card information and it slowed down sales. When I removed all that information and just gave it a quick summary, I think it was four bullets that summarized everything that was on the sales page or what they got then that became less friction and all of a sudden I was getting more sales crazy stuff another example is if you have to have people do an intake call with somebody on your team before they get to you for the main sales call if there is an intake call that's fine I get it you want to vet your people make sure that it's the right potential client before you spend an hour on the phone with them before you you know potentially sell them something of high end value then Make sure that the person answering that intake call or doing those intake calls is so well-trained on hearing and seeing people and making sure that people feel understood that there's no friction in that. If you create friction in that first step, whatever it is, and if it's not a person they're talking to, if it's an intake form that you then review and then they book you know, through a Calendly link to book with you, look at that process too. So if your steps are, You know, go to a sales letter page, fill out a form and the form is an embedded form and it has 19 steps. I did this happen for a client of mine. It was like a CSV or sorry, sale. Yeah. Sales letter page to an embedded form that had 19 steps, 19. Oh my gosh. And then after that, they um, they entered their name and email at the end of that form. Then they went to another page that had a Calendly link. They then booked that Calendly link with that Calendly link, but it wasn't confirmed until the team looked at it and then confirmed it. Right? So, oh, and there was a basically about five days between uh, when you would be on that page filling out that form and when you could actually book your call. They had a thing where it was like five days. Why five days? My client told me uh, when we started looking at this process that they didn't like surprises in their calendar and they liked knowing what was coming up because it made them comfortable. That's their thing. But if you have a product or if your client has a need for support more quickly than what could be done within a week or more, like if they have an immediate need for support, waiting a week for that call means they've already looked at somebody else unless they unless they were a yes just by filling out your form which is possible but not always you know in the case of people who need support right away maybe it's something like a legal matter maybe it's something where their you know their kid isn't sleeping and they need support there those people want immediate attention and if your process is elongated because it's comfortable for you to have it be elongated you're losing people because if they can't get you on the phone or if they can't get the solution fixed in whatever amount of time they feel is comfortable for them, they're moving on. And you can see this if you track the results, right? So if you're tracking how many leads are actually clicking on your sales page and then clicking to book the call or filling out the form or whatever your process is, you have to look for the leaks. I say this is like, you know, we got a leaky boat. We've got, holes. Water is slowly filling the boat. And unless you're bailing that boat pretty fast and consistently, eventually it's going to sink, right? So, but if you plug those holes, you're buoyant, you can, you know, you're fine. However you want to take a look at that sort of analogy. In some companies, when I look at their sales strategies and their sales processes, it's not a leaky boat. It's a bucket without a bottom. And there is no way at all that people are going to stay in their in in their process they're just leaking out everywhere so either the form is crappy the person who does the intake call isn't doing it properly or isn't helping that person feel seen in their need or in their time of need Uh, you've got too many buttons or you're sending people to too many places simplification of this process is key right minimize the obstacles and barriers that are hindering your customer from making that initial and hopefully final purchase, right? Make sure that you're looking at every step, you're streamlining everything, including your sales funnel, everything in it, email marketing, all of it to ensure a smooth and seamless experience for your potential customers. Go through it the fine tooth comb. This includes simplifying the order process, providing clear and transparent pricing and offering intuitive navigation on your website or your sales platform. And if you've got the wrong platform, but it's comfortable to you, you still need to ditch it. You need to get something different, okay? I moved everything, 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 everything onto Thrivecart uh, in 2023. So my entire sales platform in terms of like my cart, my affiliate, my course delivery, all of it, and my product delivery is all in Thrivecart. It was a simplified process. Okay? It's a lot easier. Uh, I had Thinkific before, and my gosh, love the product, but it, it was becoming a problem. So where can you eliminate the unnecessary steps? Where can you eliminate the delays, the confusion that could lead to uh, frustration and abandonment in people's purchase decision? And if you are not tracking every single one of those things, you are missing out on valuable data. Okay? And you can track it. All of this is trackable, you just have to have the right platform or software to make it happen, get into it, make it happen. Okay, This is about making sure that folks have exactly what they need, they understand what they're getting, when they make the purchase, and they feel like they're not having to jump through hoops to make it happen, okay? It's being that friendly guide on their customer journey and smoothing out any of the bumps or any of the roadblocks. Remove all of them. And when you make your sales process frictionless, You're not just making their life easier and your life easier. You're boosting the chances of turning people who are just browsing your stuff into buyers and keeping them coming back for more because you made such a great experience. And you want people to remember that. Oh, it was so, oh, I wanted that product. When I went to buy it, it was super easy. Here's an example, actually, it has nothing to do with online marketing. Well, it does actually, but nothing with what more, you know, normally what I talk about. I was watching (laughs) Dragon's Den, and uh, if you're in the States, Shark Tank is your equivalent. I was watching Dragon's Den, and uh, there was a company on there that was selling a product that I thought was really, really cool. It was available online. I thought I would check it out. I had the browser tab open on my phone for like two weeks before I actually went ahead and made the purchase. When I went to go make the purchase, I had to jump through hoops. It was really confusing to have to choose or buy the product. And because I still wanted it, I went ahead with it, but I was like, oh my God, this is a pain in the ass. When I got the confirmation email, do you know what freaked me out? It said, thank you for your purchase and the start of your new subscription. I was like, excuse me, subscription? I didn't buy a subscription. There was no mention of a a subscription anywhere when I bought this product. And now apparently I'm in a subscription and I could not actually get back to the page where I, you know, like a, almost like a a profile account or anything where I could cancel a subscription and it's been what, three weeks and I still haven't received the product. So there's a lot of problems with me purchasing this product and it is like weighing in the back of my mind because I've paid for this product and now I'm waiting to see if I'm going to get recharged for this product, which by the way, I haven't even received, you know, meanwhile, when you purchase, I had to, we just had to recently purchase a new, uh, computer, for our business, and we went through Apple, and I, you know, as a as a business owner, I went through their business side of things. So you get in touch with the business development people there. You tell them what you want. They help you get it all sorted. You you know, you know they send you a PO. You sign for the PO, and uh, next thing you know, you're you've got a confirmation email, and the next thing you know, you've got a like a uh, your product is you know being delivered by whatever uh, UPS. And that process is incredibly streamlined. You know, there, there wasn't any barrier for me to make that purchase. There wasn't any barrier to uh, really making that a solid feeling for me that when it was all done, I still have the excitement of getting this new computer versus the other experience of where the crap is my product that I bought off of Dragon's, you know, the person that was on Dragon's Den. Why do I feel like I'm in a subscription when I wasn't told I was in a subscription? And how am I gonna get out of it when I can't get in touch with anybody? Like, these are bad. This is bad stuff. So take a look at your, your sales process, find the friction. Everybody has it, by the way. Even if it's a little thing, get rid of it, smooth it out. You'll have a much better process going on. Oh, okay. I feel like this was a good episode. I feel like there was a lot of really good stuff that we talked about. I'm hoping that you got something really valuable out of this. And As always, The Acquire Podcast is produced and edited by Jason Wheeler. If you found this today's episode to be valuable, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Wherever you're listening to podcasts, desperately wanna hear what you think, let me know. And thank you for being part of my community. I absolutely adore getting to know people and supporting them in their journey with their online marketing and their list building and their launches. And I am excited to keep delivering content that empowers you and marketers with list building, lead generation, and launches. The Acquired Podcast is brought to you by the Oddphonic Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening.